Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Food is some kind of game. Now if you start to death, you'll just have yourself to blame. So eat it. Just eat it. KCAA Loma Linda. 10.50 a.m., 106.5 f.m., and now 102.3 f.m. The giants of food manufacturing are very concerned about you. They fear you could come down with a terrible plague called consumer confusion, and these selfless corporate entities are going all out to save you from it. The altruistic corporations say that this plague emanates from the grimy and untrustworthy grassroots. Indeed, several states intend to require food manufacturers that put genetically modified organisms in their products to include that information on their labels. Labeling advocates note that since millions of consumers don't want their families eating foods with altered DNA, putting the phrase, contains GMO ingredients, on the packages will let every shopper decide whether to buy that product or not. It seems both simple and honest. No way, shout lobbyists for the food adulterators. One, they claim that such efforts would create a patchwork of state labeling laws, inflicting confusion on consumers. Also, they say the labels might further spread confusion by implying that the genetically tampered ingredients are, well, tampered with by corporate engineers. So, the benevolent corporations are lobbying Congress to save you from confusion by autocratically preempting the state's authority to write consumer protection laws. Instead, the industry demands that a federal agency be directed to create a national labeling program that would take precedence over all state laws. Not that the national GMO label would be mandatory. No, no, it would be voluntary, so each corporation could decide for itself whether to tell consumers what's in their food. This is Jim Hightower saying, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. No consumer is so confused as to believe that even a single GMO user would, quote, volunteer to be honest with us. Anything less than mandatory GMO labeling is nothing but flagrant consumer fraud. This is KCAA. Local newspapers, economists, and public safety groups all agree on one thing. We must defeat Measure K at the ballot box this election. Measure K is a sinister ploy by a group of millionaires to reduce public access to our county supervisors by shifting power to unelected bureaucrats. Residents of San Bernardino County deserve better than Measure K. That's why the San Bernardino Sun, Redlands Community News, and the Sheriff's Deputies Association urge voters to reject Measure K. 
But that's not all. Jay Prague, a professor of economics and finance at the Claremont Graduate University's Drucker School of Management, warns that passing Measure K will rob the county of knowledgeable leaders who have experience with the unique challenges of this diverse county. Constituents will be poorly served by Measure K. Tell wealthy special interests that San Bernardino County isn't for sale by voting no on Measure K. Inland Empire Taxpayers Association, ID number 1285847. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flagship station. Our rates are affordable and our services are second to none. We broadcast on three terrestrial frequencies to a population of 5 million people. Plus, we stream and podcast on all major online audio and video systems. If you've been thinking about broadcasting a weekly radio program on Real Radio plus the Internet, contact our CEO at 281-599-9800. You can Skype your show from your home to our Redlands, California studio where our live producers and engineers are ready to work with you personally. A radio program on KCAA is the perfect work-from-home avocation in these stressful times. Just type kcaaradio.com into your browser to learn more about hosting a show on the best station in the nation or call our CEO for details, 281-599-9800. Dick's Auto Wreckers in Fontana reminds everyone that while driving, safety is extremely important. Using a cell phone, texting, or drinking and driving causes accidents and possible death. Safe driving is everyone's responsibility. This message courtesy of Trisha and the staff at Dick's Auto Wreckers in Fontana. Trust their years of experience and call Dick's Auto Wreckers at 909-823-7946. That's 909-823-7946. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. To the Batmobile. Are you watching Star Trek? We would be honored if you would join us. Please proceed with extreme caution. Now, Geek Universe, the weekly show on sci-fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror, and much more. Importing preferences and calibrating virtual environments. I bet my Wookiee. Are you insane? Here he is, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, your host for Geek Universe, Jim Yelton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we're jumping right into the action this week because we have part two of our live event that we did at the July 1st Friday at the St. Louis Science Center. The theme was Star Trek. And we decided to gather a group of Star Trek super fans together, along with Trek fans and Geek Universe all-stars, Wyatt Weed and Van Allen Plexico, to hash out which of the Star Trek movies is truly the best. We seeded the movies in a tournament-style bracket and have them facing off head-to-head. There are lots of twists and turns in the conversation. Stay tuned because this is going to be a fun one. We'll find out if your favorite makes it to the finals. So let's go back to the St. Louis Science Center's first Friday event and rejoin the conversation with Van Wyatt and the Star Trek superfans. So, Undiscovered Country... The last voyage of the original crew of the Enterprise versus Star Trek Into Darkness, where we changed Khan, Looney, and Singh into Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, 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 oh,
Do we even need to have a conversation about this? The less, the better. Yeah. Because we, you know, you were talking about the reboot, and, and one of the things that I loved about it was the fact that they set up this universe where, okay, now what we can do is we can mix and match things. We can take elements from episodes that were really good, right. that worked really well, and put a new spin on them. Mm-hmm. We can combine elements from a couple of different episodes. We can ignore which, canon. We don't have to be slaves to it. Which we, can, we won't have things. time for, but when we're done with this, I will tell you what they should have done in the second Star Trek. And they can still do it, um, which would have checked off all of those boxes. Um, instead, they give us a movie that is trying to get emotional beats that weren't earned exactly. from a movie that was based on 15 years of history exactly. that had been built up previously mm-hmm. in the, the original prime timeline. Yeah. And I just thought it was lazy, and I, every time I heard a rumor about Khan being the villain of Into Darkness, I kept thinking, it's too soon, it's, it's too, too, soon. Soon. too soon. You can too do soon. it. Too soon. But you have to earn it, and I need to see these people yeah. as a crew for a couple of movies before you go down that road. Well, and the, like the paramount thing in the original series, which we're recommending to you, was science. Science fiction. It was all based in science. And they took it very seriously and very literally. And the first thing Into Darkness does is throw out the history that I don't care where, I don't care about the reboot. The fact is, the Botany Bay and Khan, that was something that happened back in the Earth of like the 1990s, the Eugenics War. The you Botany that, Bay. Don't you? Yeah. You the, oh, the Eugenics War. Yeah. Remember when we fought the Eugenics War? The Botany Bay the got shot off into space 200 years a- earlier, and Khan was a Middle Eastern Superman. And that's, you know, there's a guy named Oded Fair. Oh, yeah. Oded Fair from The Mummy, who was like the Indian defender of the mummy's tomb. I like Benedict Cumberbatch. Why Oded Fair was not the new Khan? And they just, they threw out all the great stuff and brought in stuff that wasn't as effective and... Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I'm done. Yes, sir. I felt that the movie was just trying to be too much of a, like a Star Wars type film. It did a little bit too much action. Too exactly. Much, too much, too fast. Yeah. And, and, and I, was, I, was, I was always ready to believe that Star Wars is more like rock and roll. Star Trek is supposed to be more like opera. And that you, should, you shouldn't mix them. Both yeah. are good, but they, you don't cross over like Because that's what Paramount thinks that the audience today wants. Yeah, they don't want like something that's thoughtful and that slower moving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Make yeah. the fans happy. The fans will get crazy. The fans will promote it, and then everybody else will jump on. But um, you can do both. You can. Yeah. And Star Trek has done both effectively right. in feature-length movies yeah. in the past. And then it seems like they always kind of take a couple of steps backward. You can sum up part of the problem in two words. Damon Lindelof. (laughs) Just understand, the same guy that wrote most of Into Darkness also wrote a bunch of Lost and wrote... uh, What was the other one that was a a catastrophe that he... Uh, I can't think of it, but he's, he's, pretty he's much everything. He's driven lots of trailers <laughs> into the office. Oh, Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus, yes. Yes, he was responsible for why Prometheus made no sense at all, even though it should have been great. Absolutely. 
And it's unnecessary to sing the praises of Undiscovered Country when you're going up against Into Darkness. But Undiscovered Country, wow, what a great, again, maybe not the most science fiction-y driven story, kind of a little more political, but a great opening. Sulu in the command chair. Um, great character moments, great interplay, great stories happening. And then the ending, which is like a mix between the Manchurian Candidate and Hunt for Red October. And it was earned. And it, like yeah. I was say, it was earned because we had all those years of Kirk hating the Klingons yes. and then a Klingon killing Kirk's son. Right. Right. So when you get Kirk, you know, only Nixon can go to China, that resounds, you know. It makes that movie bigger than it even was, you know, because it echoes out beyond just the scope yeah. of that movie. Yeah. And then there's, there's so much about Star Trek, the undiscovered country, the plays off of that and they it's one of the few movies one of the few episodes of a TV show any one of the few Spock anything where they allow Spock to make a mistake Mm. that ends up costing them and jeopardizes Kirk and McCoy you know it he, he spends a good chunk of the movie trying to catch up to initial mistakes that he made in thinking that this peace process was going to go smoothly right. and that they could trust all the Klingons. Uh, if, if only it had been Sabic, yeah, it would have been almost perfect. Okay, yeah. nice idea. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, and, and in fact, idea, I've argued sad. ever since I first saw, saw that movie in theaters, the, the moment where Spock has to mind meld with Valerius to get the information. It, that's one of the best Spock scenes it's very good. in anything. Yeah, it's very because good. you see he's angry yeah. and he's he's upset and he's emotional Spock, and yeah. he doesn't want to do this but he knows that he has to and the way Kim Cattrall plays it on the opposite end of it, I mean to where I mean she's being violated and you know it. And the fact that Spock doesn't care and is just like, I'm getting this information no matter what psychic shields you put up or what walls you build up in your brain, I'm tearing it down and getting it. And then the aftermath, which just becomes like this very low key where he's like, okay, the conference is here, we're going, you know, and, and he kind of brings it back into Spock mode, but it's, there's so many good character moments in that movie that, that I just love. So, Undiscovered Country, Into Darkness, anyone? Oh wow, God. two people <laughs> like Into Darkness, wow. That's okay, that's all right. Okay, we're going to go through these next few pretty quick here so we can get to the rest of it before we run out of time. So, Search for Spock versus Star Trek Beyond. Wow, I will tell you, the Search for Spock is my emotional favorite movie out of the entire franchise it just to me the the idea of the the crew of the enterprise sacrificing everything that they have to to go and and they don't even know that Spock's alive. Like every time I watch that movie, I have to remind myself, you know, they don't they didn't read ahead in the script. Yeah, no. They don't know what the ending is. The only thing they're doing when they steal the Enterprise to go back to the Genesis planet is to go get his body and bring it back to Vulcan. Yep. And let them perform the ceremony so they can get Spock's Katra out of McCoy and put it wherever. So 
they're risking their entire careers just to be able to bury their friend properly. Which, one, they should have known from the beginning. I mean, I, I don't cut Kirk that much slack. Because right. I, I love when Sarek shows up. Did you not get to know each other better in all the- Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Those years, yeah. I'm, I'm going to basically vote in favor of um, the search for Spock because I think Beyond has great production value and it's an entertaining film, but it's just an action-adventure film and it feels very un-Star Trek. Yeah. I was so bored by the end confrontation, I, I think I literally stopped watching it at home when we got to the I, end I, I didn't get to mention that I, in the theater, threw my shoe at Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> that was a shoe-throwing-inducing movie. I get all three of your Sure. Start over there. We'll continue the conversation while we're um, doing that. But what I want to say about, and, I, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I don't mean to challenge you on no, this. No, go ahead. Um, the thing about Search for Spock for me was, Search for Spock for me has always got a little of that uncomfortable sort of, uh, there was all this stuff that happened in Wrath of Khan, and then we undid it with Search for for Spock. Yeah, so like that's true. aliens, Ripley saves the girl and saves the day and Alien 3 comes along and Newt is dead and it didn't matter anything she did. Or you know, there's been other similar films or like the Star Wars original trilogy and then the prequels come along and basically undo everything that we had. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about Search for Spock because it felt to me like is Nimoy going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Okay, he is going to come back. Let's make up a story that gets him back into it. And it felt very... If someone could convince me that Search for Spock was plotted out prior to them making Wrath of Khan, I would change my opinion. But Search for Spock... The torpedo sitting there on the Genesis planet at the very end. But that felt to me like, will he come back or won't he? And let's leave an opening. Right. Well, and I think... Yeah. Harv Harv Bennett, the producer, has actually gone on record and said that's why... Because I don't think that was an original... Script choice. I think they they did that after the fact in post, just to, to give the opening, yeah. right. just so they could say, "Hey, we don't know how we're going to write our way out of this, but we are going to write our way out of this." This, this is life from lifelessness. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You're listening to Geek Universe. I'm your host Jim Yelton, and we are joined this week by Van Allen Plexico and Wyatt Weed and a bunch of Star Trek superfans from the St. Louis Science Center's July 1st Friday event where we celebrated the 25th anniversary of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and looked at the Star Trek movie franchise. We paired up the movies in a head-to-head bracket. Last week, we started the conversation breaking down the brackets and voting, working our way towards one ultimate winner of the Star Trek movie showdown. Stay tuned. There's more from the St. Louis Science Center coming up right after this. Hi, this is Alec Gillis, writer-director of Harbinger Down, and you are listening to Jim Yelton on Geek Universe. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore, so you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. 
You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey, gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're gonna send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show Hey Ryan, do you have any beer in the fridge? Nah, I thought you got some. Oh, the game starts in five minutes. And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday. I wish there was a place that delivered beer. Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. That's Captain C-R-A-F-T apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers. That's right. The Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C-R-A-F-T. D-B-E-E-R store.com or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for beersness. And I'm here to deliver. K-C-A-A Now, back to Geek Universe. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. Once again, here's your host, Jim Yelton. Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. And this week, we are continuing the Star Trek movie showdown from the St. Louis Science Center's first Friday event for July. We're joined by author Van Allen Plexico, filmmaker Wyatt Weed, and a room full of Star Trek superfans as we have the Star Trek movies facing off head-to-head in a bracket-style tournament to determine the number one best Star Trek movie of all time. The one thing I will say about Beyond... There you go. Yeah, we were talking about Into Darkness and how they immediately went to the convo. I feel like Beyond is the, the movie that should have been the second sequel. 
Okay. Right after the reboot. Beyond should have been the movie that was the palate cleanser. It was like, okay, this is going to be a completely new adventure. It's not connected to anything they've done in the past. Right. We're just going to move these characters forward before we get into mining the well of sure. stuff that's come before. Sure. Uh, and I think I would have liked Beyond much better if it had followed up the, the reboot as the second sequel. Yeah. And it coming out as the, the third part of the trilogy, it was just, it seemed like, okay, now I'm kind of tired of this. Like, they didn't take advantage of the goodwill that was yeah. purchased for the fan base by the original reboot, and now we've got two movies that have kind of just treaded water. Right. For movies, what would you recommend for Star Trek to watch? Start with the motion picture and work your way through. Just understand it. Just understand the first one is slower than all the others. Yes, sir. Star Trek Beyond also was kind of a slap in the face because the beginning third of the movie was pretty good. I thought. Until they got to the actual villain, it was going all right. But then it went to Beastie Boys mode. (laughs) <laughs> and, and the other thing I will say is that it once again, just like Into Darkness, kind of wastes having Benedict Cumberbatch as your yeah. villain. You have Idris Elba for f- crying out yeah. loud. Yeah. And you don't take advantage of that the way you should have. I will say this. Star Trek Beyond got robbed of the best makeup Oscar by... That's true. By uh, right. Suicide Squad, because Suicide Squad really only had Croc and Killer Croc, and so, I will say, for as much as I was bl- meh on Beyond, the makeup was amazing. All the makeup was spectacular. Yeah. Okay, so search for Spock. Star Trek Beyond. All right. Search for going through. All right, so let's. Talk quickly about the Voyage Home versus Generations. So the most successful Star Trek movie financially ever versus Generations, where we first get to see Kirk and Picard on the big screen together for the first time, for the last time. As kind of down as I was on Search for Spock, boy, did Voyage Home bring it back and pull it out of the fire and at first I felt like Voyage Home was maybe a little too crowd pleasing and a little too make the masses happy but you talk to most people and you say Voyage Home and they go was that the one with the whales and people just remember it and it just seemed to cut across a lot of lines but again a pure science fiction story for as fun and you know humorous as that film was you take away the whale and the time travel element, you got no story there. That's a science fiction story, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And it wrapped up the whole trilogy of the whole Spock and Vulcan incident and all of that, and it finalized that really well. I didn't mind Generations, and the crash sequence of the, uh, the saucer section hitting the planet is breathtaking. I've never seen anything quite like that. But I don't think Generations hit its stride until the next film. So, and in Generations, the fact that I know the Generations played into it, but the fact that they kind of tried to shoehorn old Trek and new Trek together was sometimes successful, sometimes not. I think that we could have found a better death for Kirk than oh laying at the base of a cliff, going, "Oh my!" Um, well, the, the better death 
for Kirk was the opening of the movie. Yes, yes, agreed. agreed. Because to, to me, to answer the question of what happened to him in the same movie doesn't work. Right. It, it, it doesn't pay off his sacrifice the way it should have been. And I could, I would have been happy as a clam if they had just had that opening sequence with the original crew and that set up the issue that the next generation crew had to deal with right. in you know 80 right. years. And, and again, sort of that pulp format with, with uh, the Voyage Home where not a lot of time spent laboring over <coughs> stuff. It was just... They're looking for whales. We don't have whales anymore. We've got to go back in time and get them. Let's do it. Intermix formula. Let's go. And they didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to convince you. They just said, this is what we're doing. Let's do it. Boom. And 20 minutes later, you were in San Francisco, 1985 or 6, and having fun. Isn't it funny I, that the most successful Star Trek movie is the one that has the least Enterprise? Mm. There's almost no yeah. Enterprise in that whole movie. Yeah. Two minutes at the end, basically. Yeah. Generations is terrible, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been a while since I've seen Generations, but I just remember... Is, is it true that it's just Picard and Shatner on that barren planet? And the very great Malcolm McDowell. Right. But I, I wanted to see you know, Kirk interact with other members in the next generation. It's just, yeah. It was kind of yeah. a disappointment to me, it's just... The two. I mean, it was kind of cool in a way, but definitely. Yeah. I wanted something more. Yeah. Yes, sir. Generations was laying that nexus. I never did care for that. It's like they could jump out of it anytime they wanted. It didn't make much sense. Uh, How did they jump out of it, too? They rode off on horses, and then there was a white flash of light, and suddenly they were back on the planet. Never explained it. Yeah. It's... Um, but I do have to say, doubling back, that I enjoyed it in the darkness a lot more than you guys. Y'all made bottom points. I still just really had a good time. The, the plot is okay. It's, it's weird because it's one of those movies, and Trek does this a lot, where, you know, much like First Contact, where there was kind of two different things going on. Like, in Into Darkness, there's, like, the con subplot going on, while at the same time you've got this crazy Starfleet Admiral that's developing these weapons yeah. to use against the Klingons. And, and, the reverse and they have to stop that, and then you find, well, the weapons are actually communist people, so that's how the two plots dovetail. Doesn't make any sense at but, all. yeah, um, so the voyage home. Generations. Okay, good. We're moving along. Uh, last one in the first round. Galaxy Quest versus... Star Trek Nemesis, I will say... Oh, that's just a buy into the second <laughs> you, you just, like, uh, handicapped for, that. You for the record, uh, um, I, I did a panel where we were, we were ranking these Star Trek movies the, like two months after Nemesis came out. And I railed about that movie and couldn't remember the name of it. I like literally spent ten minutes ranting about this movie. I knew the plot. I knew who was in it. I knew everything that happened. Didn't know the name of it. It just it was not in my head. So I always say that to me is the mark of it being the worst Trek movie ever made because I forgot what it was called for the longest time. Uh, what do you guys think? Nemesis, just what a weird... You've got this massive... This annoys me about a lot of Star Trek 
the later series and the movies as well. You've got your it's a science fiction film where you're in a starship. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where you can go anywhere in the known universe and what you come up with is a clone from a different timeline of Picard as your bad guy. What the heck are you thinking? And it just it didn't it didn't catch me. It didn't catch my imagination. It caught nothing. Galaxy Quest is not only a great entertaining science fiction film that also plays as a a loving parody of Star Trek at the same time and to be able to do both of those things to be a good and entertaining science fiction film and a parody at the same time you know making fun of the thing it obviously loves I just thought it was a, a great entertaining science fiction film and action adventure comedy um, the only thing I had an issue with was that Saris the bad guy alien spoke flawless English but he also used things like my ship will tear through your ship like tissue paper like Saris would know what tissue paper is so i don't have a problem with everybody speaking english because you got to you got to have some english going on but yeah when the aliens start speaking about things like tissue paper even in a comedy that, that doesn't work for me but i think i think uh, galaxy quest is just a tremendously entertaining film that it pulled in fandom and the convention world and poked fun at people appearing at conventions and how they behave it's just that one was firing on all cylinders it really was thanks for tuning in to geek universe this week we'll be back with more of the star trek movie showdown with van allen plexico wyatt weed the star trek super fans live from the st louis science center more great star trek conversation is coming right up hello everybody this is ming chen from amc's comic book men you're listening to my favorite show geek universe there are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. <laughs> ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hey gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest 
of awesome goodness that you can get. Full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a Happy Meal again. Except this time it's even better. There's better stuff in it. You can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. There's lots of cool stuff. There's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool Patreon-exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows, movies. We will have more guests joining us for those. A lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to Patreon and support the show. Go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show. Check out the reward tiers. Pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station. And it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show For several years, KCAA has been marketing the Longevity brand of nutritional and personal care products. Our experience with Longevity has been 100% positive, so we are pleased to recommend them to you. Regarding nutritional supplements, we recommend Pollen Burst in the berry flavor and Tangy Tangerine 2.0 in the tablet form. For regularity issues, we recommend 3-Day Cleanse, and for personal care, we recommend Morning Hydration Cream. You can shop online for Longevity at www.kcaateam.com or you can order by phone by calling 800-982-3197 and tell customer support that you are part of the KCAA team. Longevity is an American company based in San Diego. Call Longevity at 800-982-3197 and ask about monthly auto ship that allows you to buy Longevity products at wholesale prices. That number again, 800-982-3197. You're listening to KCAA, your good neighbor along the way. If you think the Kobayashi Maru isn't a Japanese steakhouse, you're in the right place. Geek Universe with your host, Jim Yelton. Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we are talking Star Trek movies this week from our live appearance at the St. Louis Science Center's July 1st Friday. We were joined that evening by author Van Allen Plexico, filmmaker Wyatt Weed, and a room full of Star Trek superfans. We seated the movies in a tournament-style bracket, and we are going to rejoin the conversation with Van Allen Plexico giving us his thoughts on Star Trek Nemesis. All right, the, the problem for me with movies like Nemesis is that Star Trek, the original series, that cast was big enough, their stature, that they translated the movies, I thought, very well. But I just always felt like Next Generation's cast was a TV cast. I mean, Patrick Stewart, to a certain degree, because he's done other things, he translates okay often as a supporting actor. Okay, But there's not a leading actor in that whole Next Generation cast. Riker, on a good day, could be that. But because he has to be second banana to a supporting actor... 
it undercuts even Riker. And so when I watch a next generation theatrical movie, I feel like I'm watching a TV show that they've blown up on the screen. And I just, I never get that sense of awe that I get from Shatner and Nimoy and, and DeForest Kelly and, and even Dewan. You know, I just don't. I can't argue with that. But as far as, as far as Galaxy Quest goes, it's, to me, it was like a really, really long Saturday Night Live skit. It was a good one. It was a good one. But, but the thing about you're talking about the language, I never expected that to make sense because it's a comedy, yeah. right? It's like watching um, what's, uh, Spaceballs. I don't expect logic. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's supposed to be goofy. So I know they made some really good some critiques and some points in it and all that, and that's great. I would say that rather than being like a funny drama that has some flaws, I would say it's a comedy that actually exceeds its grasp in some places and overachieves. You do make a good point, though, Wyatt. That it, it threads that needle that very few people... Mel Brooks can do it, but he's one of the very few that can do it consistently where he can make fun of the things that he loves. Right. And both the the jokes that are supposed to be pointed and scathing about that thing land at the same time that you can see how much he loves these right. things too. That's right. So you never lose some, it's not like, you know, some other movies more recently where the people behind them obviously loathe the thing they are making fun of and are just doing it for a cheap laugh. Like, the people behind Galaxy Quest, you knew that they loved Star Trek. There was nothing mean-spirited. Right, because who actually ends up saving the day in Galaxy Quest? It's fans of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because... That's who Jason Nesmith has to call yeah. and say, hey, I need help figuring all this stuff out. I knew it. I knew it was real. I knew it was real. <laughs> Mom, you don't understand. <laughs> so, Galaxy Quest. Woo! Nemesis. Okay. Um, just so you guys know, it is 8 o'clock. If you were planning on going to uh, any of the other 8 o'clock events, uh, I won't feel bad if you get up and leave, but... We're bringing it down to the wire. We, we're getting we are going to wrap things up here in about 15 minutes if you want to hang out. So Galaxy Quest is moving on. Okay. Uh, Undiscovered Country versus the J.J. Abrams reboots. i got to go Undiscovered Country all the way. It's a, it's a good Star Trek movie. I'm not quite sure. You know, I really, really love the reboot, but I'm going to go Undiscovered Country because I think there's some things that are more classic mm-hmm. and will stand the test of time. I'll be watching, I'll be watching uh, Undiscovered Country 20 years from now. The reboot, who knows? So well, Undiscovered Country is trying to get the band back together from Star Trek 2, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the Nicholas Meyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Undiscovered Country. It's strange to me, and I've always wanted to either interview him or more likely interview somebody else involved with both Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. Right. You know, one of the actors or producer or somebody to get the answer to this question. What is it about Nicholas Meyer who was not a fan of Star Trek, who had never watched it, 
before they brought him in to do Wrath of Khan. What is it about Nicholas Meyer that he gets these characters, their dynamic, better than anybody that's worked on Trek? Right. Because both of his Trek movies are the best examples of the crew together as a crew. I think he's a smart guy. He's a smart writer. But I think even aside from knowing the background of Trek, I think he understands good character interaction and good character conflict just from a writing standpoint. So I think he inherently just... That's that's my theory anyway. He's a very smart guy. He's a very smart guy. Before we kick the reboot to the curb, uh, I I do want to point out some of my favorite things about it. Uh, One, as much as I didn't want either Chris Pine or Zachary Kinto to mimic the actors they were replacing, I love the fact that Carl Urban... Spends all of his screen time the best part of the movie. mimicking DeForest Kelly. Yes. Like, if there's one character that I needed to yeah. be the character from the original yeah. show, it's McCoy, and yeah. he's DeForest Kelly all day, and twice. It works. It works. years would I have ever seen Carl Urban doing yeah. that. I just, I see Aomer with his spear yelling yeah. at Aragorn. I do not yeah. see kindly Georgia doctor, you know, but yet there he was. Because it feels like in some ways an impersonation, but clearly he figured out what made Bones Bones right. and did it by channeling yeah. DeForest Kelly. And yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. Because I, I, like I said, I didn't want that, and I was going to be angry yeah. if either Chris Pine <laughs> or Quinto tried to do the, a, an impersonation yeah, of Nimoy or... Shatner. Because there's a lot of fans out there right now who didn't like the Han Solo movie, the Sol- Solo. And they said, oh, it should have been this guy, Anthony and Gruber. And Anthony and Gruber played a young Harrison Ford in Age of Adeline, and it should have been him. And all that guy does is an impersonation of Harrison Ford in Age of Adeline. And two hours of an impersonation of Harrison Ford would have been horrible. Whereas Alden Ehrenreich developed a character Which is and did it himself. And yeah. see, the, yeah. when when I reviewed Solo, I made the same point because I said I didn't want somebody to right. do a two-hour Harrison Ford impersonation, right. but, but way to go. I did want Donald Glover to channel Billy D. Williams for which two he did. hours, which, yes. he did which he did flawlessly. <laughs> yes. So I was very happy. Yeah. And Chewbacca... Channel Chewbacca for two hours. It's amazing. It was great. It was like it was the same big fur. It was. It was. Um, okay, so Undiscovered Country. J.J. Abrams reboot. Sad. Sad. I really do like the reboot, though. I like the reboot, too. I like the reboot, too. Wyatt, since you're a director, yes. Well, while I'm writing this down on the chart, give us 30 seconds about your opinion on the uh, overabundance of lens flare <laughs> in the J.J. Abrams reboot. Because I thought visually it it didn't bother me because that film, whereas the original Star Trek was very colorful and they were brilliant at moving cameras around, and I'm talking Star Trek the original series. Um, I think that in the rebooted Star Trek, 
It was a glossier, slicker, more reflective surface with lots of exposed lights and lots of exposed screens, and the technology was more on display. You almost couldn't shoot in that environment with that enormous curved view screen and all the lighting without lens flares. And I think they started seeing lens flares and said, let's make this an element. Because you spend half your time directing, getting rid of lens flares. These guys embraced them. But... I think a lens flare is not a substitution for good composition or interesting scenes. And I think there were times where it was like, okay, this guy's just a talking head for 30 seconds. Let's, let's get a light and let's make a lens flare and it'll be more interesting. I, I think a lens flare is poor substitution for just good work. Yeah. I, I was okay with the lens flares. And I thought they dialed down in the, the, the next two films. Right. So uh, I've been known to shoot a lens flare or two into my lights. So, Which is, you know. is <laughs> fine if it's a couple of times. But yeah. I feel like the, the point where it started to become so much that it was yeah. taking me out of the scene yeah. is when I'm kind of like, okay, JJ, come on, dude. I mean, I thought it was cool, but I can understand where you know the average audience member, if they were annoyed by it, then you did something wrong. Did something. Now, now, things he did like um, there, it, it happens several times throughout all three of the rebooted movies, where there will be a tight close-up shot of the Enterprise, and when the camera starts to pull back, you realize the Enterprise is upside down yeah. from yeah. the way that we normally are yeah. used to seeing it oriented, and then the camera will do yeah. some really cool movement where it'll flip over and then zoom in on the bridge or something. Because the, inter- the, the old series, somehow or another, everything they encountered was on the same upside plane, and the fact that the, yeah, the reboot really got a hold of that idea that you can be in any Whoa. orientation. Somebody yeah. paying attention during Wrath of Khan yeah. realized that yeah. you do have to have three-dimensional thinking yeah. when you're fighting in space. You're listening to Geek Universe with Jim Yelton. That makes me Jim Yelton. And I want to thank you for joining us this week as we take a look at the Star Trek movies and try and figure out which one of these movies is the best Star Trek movie of all time. We were joined by Van Allen Plexico, Wyatt Weed, and a room full of Star Trek superfans at the St. Louis Science Center for another great First Friday event. We will actually be back at the Science Center in St. Louis for the October First Friday, where we are going to be talking about the Goonies and its influence on Stranger Things and what made growing up as a kid in the 80s so awesome. So make sure if you're in the St. Louis area to come out and join us in October for another great first Friday at the Science Center. In the meantime, stay tuned. We will have more of our Star Trek movie showdown coming right up here on Geek Universe. Hi, this is Camille Balsamo from the all-practical effects throwback film Harbinger Down, and you are listening to Geek Universe. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? that it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Homelessness, it's not going away. And you can help. And you can help make a difference locally right here. I'm Mary Winter with the Faces of Yukaipa, a homeless advocacy and services Facebook group. 
It's easy. Nothing is complicated. Help as much or as little as you want, but you can help by becoming educated and involved yourself. It's simple. Check out Faces of Ukaipa on Facebook. Or contact Mary Winter at Samaritan Project for Change at gmail.com. That's the number for Samaritan Project for Change at gmail.com. There's lots of little small things you can do to make a big difference. Contact us here at kcaaradio.com and we'll help you. You can help others in your local community and right here in the Inland Empire. This message from the KCAA Community Calendar. You're listening to Geek Universe. Once again, here's Jim Yelton. Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm Jim Yelton, and let's jump right back into the conversation with Van Allen Plexico, Wyatt Weed, the Star Trek superfans from the July 1st Friday St. Louis Science Center event where we are trying to determine what the best Star Trek movie of all time is. It's the Star Trek movie showdown right here on Geek Universe. I think this one's going to be fairly quick. The motion picture versus Galaxy Quest. Motion picture all day long. I'm going to say the motion picture. Again, love me some Galaxy Quest. I'm going to say the motion picture. The motion picture. When we did this before, to be fair, uh, most people said the motion picture just because it was more Star Trek than Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest is as much Star Trek as you can get without without it being called Star Trek. (laughs) Galaxy Quest doesn't exist without Star Trek. Right, right. um, and, and, and yeah. nothing, well, no, I'm not, I'll tell you about it. I misspoke. Never mind. <laughs> I guess I, no, no Star Trek exists, but it's really Rathacon, not motion picture. So. Um, so, quick vote motion picture. Galaxy Quest. All right. All right. Moving on. Moving on. A 23rd century Odyssey today. Voyage Home versus First Contact. This is a toughie. This is a toughie. Voyage Home has got the, got the whales, though. The Voyage Home, I think, has more, even though it's got some cheese factor to it and some silly, I think it's got more kind of a classic movie structure. I think it's got a nice story arc to it. I think it's got a mass appeal. People are going to be watching it on television 50 or 100 years from now. First Contact is really cool, but it's very... Trek next gen specific in a lot of ways. I think, and I love First Contact, but I think uh, Voyage Home has a slight edge, yeah. just in and terms of being a good film versus a Star Trek film. You know, you brought up something that I have not heard anybody point out in any conversation like this that I've had. That uh, First Contact is solidly a next generation movie, and you do, in a way, have to have all of that baggage with the board and with mm. data and with Picard and a lot of stuff that happened on the TV show that you don't need necessarily to view some of the original cast movies where yeah. you know I mean I've always argued that some of the the original cast movies if you get the concept that it's a crew of people on a spaceship going around the galaxy you know strange new worlds new life new civilizations you know who Kirk is, you get who Spock is, you know who McCoy is, you know what that triangle dynamic is. 
you could watch any of them. Some of the next generation movies, you kind of need a little bit more backstory to be able to get some things that are happening. I had a very non-Star Trek, non-science fiction girlfriend at the time that First Contact came out. And I literally, I said, I want to see this movie. And she said, I'd like to go with you. I said, I think you're going to hate it. So I showed her Best of Both Worlds. I showed her the original, what was it, Metamorphosis with Zephyrm Cochran from the original Mm -hmm. series. And I told her about some various things, and she enjoyed it on the level of what it was, the action-adventure aspects, but she was lost. She didn't know the backstory on Picard, she didn't know Data, she, she didn't know these characters. She very quickly became annoyed with Data and his whole emotional thing because she didn't understand right. it. Yeah, Yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. I feel like if you haven't gone over that you know, seven-year journey yeah. with those characters, then some of that stuff's not gonna mean as much to you. I think the voyage home, was such a success at the time because it had that broad appeal. You could it, you could go and see it because it was yeah, a, anybody could go see yeah, it. Yeah, it was a fun science fiction movie with whales, or it was a Star Trek movie. It was it was and it was one. contemporary most of yeah. it. So it wasn't. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it has one of the great exchanges in the history of Star Trek, where the lady says, "Oh, so you're from outer space? No, I'm from Iowa. I just work in outer space. That's a great yeah, yeah. That's a great Spock line. given the punk rocker the nerve pinch on the bus, and everybody uh, applauds. Yeah. And then Kirk applauds that's him. Yeah, that's just appreciate even yeah. if you're my grandma. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. When, when you said one of the great exchanges in Star Trek history, I thought you were going to say the nuclear vessels. But. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> a Russian wandering around the navy yards looking for nuclear stuff. That's not going to set off any nuclear vessels. That's what I said. Yeah. Um, okay, so the voyage home. Ooh, that's pretty much everybody that's left. First contact. Anybody? Two people. Still not enough. The voyage home goes forward. Okay, this is the last one of the quarterfinals. Khan versus Search for Spock. Khan! Yeah, I go Khan. So, you know, and like I said earlier, I mean, Search for Spock, there's an emotional thing. You can see it on his face. You can see it just, you know, hitting him. First of all, Wrath of Khan, I think, may be... Shatner's best performance as Kirk and maybe one of his top three performances of his entire career. And the dude's won Emmys for Boston Legal where he's brilliant. I don't think the movies well represent the Kirk from the original series. I think he became a very different kind of Kirk because I think Shatner became a very different kind of actor. There is a moment in Wrath of Khan where... Savick looks at him and has figured out that he's used code with Spock while they're underground in the Genesis planet. And he stands up with that apple and he goes, I don't like to lose. And he takes a bite of that apple and it was like, that was yeah. Kirk from yeah. the original series yeah. right there. That was him. And I think, I think him screaming Khan into the communicator is kind of ridiculous and over the top, but yet he has some great moments in the film. He's got some awesome moments. In the it's film. ridiculous and over the top once you know what happens after yeah. it. Right. Because you're thinking to yourself, well, he didn't Why have did to he do scream? that yeah. much. Why I mean, he, come yeah. on. Yeah. I, the thing about Wrath of Khan, to me, I mean, the, you know, take all the other stuff out of it. It's got great battle sequences. It's got Ricardo Montalban. It's got the, the death of Spock and the sacrifice. All that other stuff. It's got the revamped uniforms for the first time. They're no longer in their little blue pajamas, you know. It's much more naval. It's much more militaristic, which some could say was 
better, some would say it was worse, for Star Trek, for the Federation. But here's the thing, though, that I think Rathacon gets right more than any of that that makes it, the, that makes it what it is. It gets at that Kirk getting older mm. and that relationship with his crew and the relationship with Spock. I think it does that better than any of the other shows, any of the other movies, anything. It gets at that really personal stuff about him at that point in his life, needing the glasses, all that. They just, I mean, you know, Hart, uh, uh, Meyer absolutely just nails that. They didn't sweep their age under the rug. They acknowledged right. it. Right. Yeah, the first they movie, they try to pretend everybody is still the same age. In this movie, they say, oh, no, it's years later, you know, and they're, they're the age they are. Yeah. That makes sense. Which, I, it, it still cracks me up to this day that that's one of the key plot points of Wrath of Khan, and then they go on to make, you know, yeah. four other movies after that, yeah. and, you know, yeah. he's still in command of the Enterprise for that whole time. It yeah. just kind of strikes me as... Funny. I like how one of the running themes of the movies is that they can't get Kirk off the Enterprise. He keeps yeah. coming back. You know, yeah. was, in the TV show, it was just, of course he's there. He's the captain. In the movies, it's all about getting him back on, getting him back on. Well, wouldn't you know it, the conversation was so great that we went into overtime, and we're not done yet. That was just part two. We're going to have to finish this up next week on the show, so make sure to tune in to Geek Universe right here on this very radio station next week as we bring you the finals. Who's going to win? Which movie will be crowned the Star Trek Movie Showdown Champion? We'll be back next week with Van, Wyatt, and the Star Trek superfans to wrap things up right here on Geek Universe. You've been listening to another exciting episode of Geek Universe with Jimmy Elton. Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe, including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and theme merchandise, including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at geekuniverseshow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at facebook.com slash 30minutesofgeek, or on Twitter using the Twitter handle, at 30minutesofgeek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment, LLC. This episode is copyright 2017, or rights reserved. Well, kids, that's all you get. That's it. Read a book. Hey, gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get, full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a Happy Meal again, except this time it's even better. There's better stuff in it. You can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. There's lots of cool stuff. There's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool Patreon-exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows, movies. We will have more guests joining us for those. 
a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to Patreon and support the show. Go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show. Check out the reward tiers. Pick one that's right. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.